Hey, if you love Jesus, would you praise his name this morning? Amen. There you go. That's it. I tell you, it's all about Jesus. Good to be with you this morning. I, I tell you, this is the highlight of my week every week. Uh, it's just coming and be with you guys on Sunday morning, and uh, I hope it is for you as well, just to come and worship together as a faith family and just be a part. This past week, Linnell and I had a chance to get away, though, and it was good. Uh, I just went away for a few days. I wanted to rest, and uh, I was resting so well that about halfway through the week, Linnell said, is something wrong with you? And I said, no, why? And she says, well, I mean, you can go do something if you want. I said, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I am not doing anything. I'm just resting, and she just couldn't believe it. And, uh, but I did find out this week what is, uh, what is the, the number one thing in my life that reduces stress. I don't know if you have figured it out for your life, but I have figured it out for mine, and if it can help you, then I thought maybe I should suggest that to you. I should tell you this morning what reduces stress in my life, and it's this, cinnamon rolls. <laughs> cinnamon rolls. I know that doesn't sit well with you, Jason Cobb, but, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, nutrition Man over here, but... But, uh, but cinnamon rolls, we, we go to this restaurant when we're down in, in, at the beach, and it's called Ant Catfishes. I don't know if you've ever been to Daytona and been to Ant Catfishes, but whereas most restaurants bring out bread and they kind of serve bread with the meal, they bring out cinnamon rolls. And I, I'll tell you, I, I guess I was really stressed because I ate that cinnamon roll, and it was so good I ordered six more. So anyway, uh, and, and, and we went back, I think, three times. I'm telling you, it was a week of cinnamon rolls, Jason. I'm sorry, but... But anyway, uh, it, was, it was so good. It relieved a lot of stress in my life. Maybe it'll do something for yours. But it's good to see you this morning. Uh, hey, before we dive into the Word, I want to uh, just uh, share a little something with you. A couple of things that are starting up this weekend. Uh, first of all, uh, we are going to be kicking off DPK Weekend, DPK Live for our children's ministry, kicking off this Wednesday. So if, uh, if, you've, if you've sort of gotten out of that, uh, it's time to get back into it. Uh, very excited about about DPK Live kicking off this week. And then also just want to mention to you that our women's retreat that is scheduled for June the 2nd through the 4th is filling up fast, but there's still time to register. Uh, so if you want to go on that, go ahead and register for that. There's just limited spots available at this point, but, but there are some spots, and so I just want to mention that as well to you. Uh, I'm very excited about the message this morning. I think it's a great message for all of us to, to sort of uh, look at and be reminded of. And so I want to pray... And then we're going to dive into God's Word together. So pray with me, if you will, this morning, and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we just thank you for, for this day. And we thank you, God, for your presence in our life. We thank you, Father, for how you just continue to, to just do incredible things in our life each and every day. And Father, we are thankful for your presence, which brings us so much peace. And God, just joy, just knowing that we have this amazing privilege to walk with you. Father, this morning as we prepare to dive into your word, I pray, God, that you would speak deeply into our, our hearts. I pray that you would help us to prepare for what we would hear from you this morning. And God, as we look into your word, let us be reminded that, God, your word teaches us so much about who we are and, and God, how we can live our lives uh, according to your will, according to your plan. And so, Father, we, we just thank you for this time together as we gather each and every week. Lord, we thank you for the time of worship where we lift our voices in song. We thank you for the time of just, uh, and the privilege of just giving, uh, Lord, when we, when we have that opportunity to give and to pray. And, 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 Lord, just welcome you into this place. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for what you're doing here. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 
Last week we kicked off a new series called Welcome Home and we, we started this series off talking about what it means to become a, a child of God. And the reason that we, we started there is because that really is a starting place for, uh, for us as believers or followers in Christ Jesus. If we, if we want to understand what it means to belong to a faith family, which is exactly what we're talking about today, then the starting point for that, the, the beginning place for that, is becoming a child of God. And so we, we started off looking at that. But as we dive into the Word today, we're going to, you know, we, we can't help but ask what comes next after really becoming a child of God. What is it about belonging to a faith family that we need to understand or, or belonging to a, a community of believers? You know, one of the interesting things that, that the Scriptures teach us uh, about our faith is that we all have a common denominator in Christ Jesus. In other words, as believers in Christ Jesus, we are bound together with other believers in Christ Jesus, not only locally, but universally. And so what that means for us is that we can go anywhere around the world and we can run into or meet someone who is also a follower of Christ Jesus, and instantly we have something in common with those individuals. We know that, that there is a universal church that exists, and for all believers uh, around the world that love Jesus, that are disciples of Jesus, that are followers of Jesus, true Christians, that, that we are bound together by Christ Jesus. And so I love that aspect. I love what it means to belong to the, the body of Christ or to the bride of Christ, as the Scripture often refers. But, you know, something is really interesting to me, though, about how God brings individuals together that live in the same community. It's, it's really encouraging to me how God brings a very diverse crowd. He brings a very uh, uh, unique people to Gather and they gather together. They begin to gather together, and as they gather together, God begins to do something amazing in his, in, in their life together. He brings like-minded people together, and He gives them a very specific and unique vision to carry out in their community in which they live. And what we begin to see is we begin to see the church really coming alive, and and we see the local gathering of people that begin doing life together, all bound together by this common thread that we have in Christ Jesus. And so we would call that the local church. We would call that a faith family. That's what we call it because of how Scripture defines the local church. I just love the, the wordage, uh, the, the, the words, that are, the, the language that is used to describe uh, church that way, that we are a faith family. And so today we want to dive into this. We want to understand it. And so the message is titled this morning, Belonging to a Faith Family. Belonging to a Faith Family. Now, uh, this, this is a message, I believe, that is very relevant for every one of us that are here. You, today may be the very first day that you've joined us as a, as a church. It may be the first day that you walked in here. Uh, I, I talked to a, a gentleman this morning in the first service, and this was his first day. You know, he said, I don't know what to expect. And I said, well, you're welcome here. Come on in. Uh, you know, this is, this is who we are. And, uh, and we, we had a brief moment to, to talk and just share. But it was his first day, and so... Obviously, knowing what it means to belong to this faith family was a very relevant message for him. But there's some of you here today that maybe you've been here for several months. You've maybe been here for several years. Maybe you were with us since the very beginning uh, of this church 11 and a half years ago. But it's important for us to understand what it means to belong to a faith family. And so this morning we're going to Matthew chapter 12. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. We're going to Matthew chapter 12. This is where we're going to pick up our, our text today, and we're starting with verse 46, and we're going through verse 50, 46 to 50 out of Matthew 12. Now, 
I, I want to say, as you're, as you're turning pages there and, and getting to that place, uh, I want to say that the subject that we're talking about here today, belonging to a faith family, this subject of this particular passage, it doesn't necessarily jump out at the reader. It may not just seem very obvious to you on the onset, but I believe that you're going to see that it, that it begins to t- you know, uh, catch, uh, catch some ground here and it, and it picks up and you're going to be able to see what we're looking at here today. But in this passage, Jesus is in the very prime of his ministry. Jesus is out there teaching, he's preaching, he's leading people uh, to himself through the, the gospel presentation. I mean, he's out there meeting with the crowds. There's some healing going on. There's miracles going on. I mean, Jesus is in the prime of his ministry. And what we see here is that as he's teaching this, he's certainly gotten the attention of a lot of people. In fact, the crowds are beginning to really gather around Jesus, and, and, and he's constantly just teaching different things concerning different subjects, and, and he's addressing a lot of issues that the people may be going through in their life. And so this is the context of this passage uh, that we see here. Jesus is in the midst of his ministry. He's teaching. And in this passage, he is in the inside of a, of, of a building. He's, he's inside somewhere. And he is teaching to a group of peoples. And what we're going to see that's very interesting about this text is he suddenly receives an interruption. Right in the middle of his teaching, right in the middle of his speaking to this group, to this smaller crowd, he receives this interruption and what we're going to see is is that this interruption comes from uh some people that we wouldn't expect would interrupt jesus it comes actually from his mother and his brother and so uh we're going to see that sort of unfold in this passage look at this with me if you will starting with verse 46 matthew 12 verse 46 it says while he was still speaking to the people behold his mother And his brothers, they stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now this is really interesting what's taking place here. Jesus is inside, he's teaching this group of people and his disciples and and for whatever reason his biological family is outside. His mother and his brothers are outside doing what we don't really know, uh, but they're out there and and suddenly they summon this guy to go get Jesus. They say, "Hey, we need to speak to Jesus for a minute." So Jesus comes in, I mean this man comes in to where Jesus is teaching. And he interrupts the situation. Jesus is there in the midst of his teaching, and he says, hey, uh, your mother and your brothers are out here, and they want to talk to you. And it's really interesting at this point because you would think that he would maybe say something like this. Hey, could you hang on just a second? What, Mom? You know, you you just wonder what he, you know, that would probably be the, the reaction of most of us. But we see something really different. And I think Jesus is trying to make a, a point here when he says what he says. But we see where Jesus, he turns to his disciples and he turns to this man and he goes, well, who are my mother and my brothers? And then he looks at the ones he is teaching. He's, he addresses the crowd and he holds out his hand and it's as if he says, this is my faith family right here. This is who I'm speaking to. And when we see this, it seems... A bit harsh. 
It seems almost rude of Jesus to sort of ignore his mother and his brother, but I believe that he is, he is really trying to communicate something very important to us when he does this. And so that's what I want us to dig into. I want us to take a look at, because the, the reaction that Jesus says, he says, who are my mothers and my brothers? And he points to this crowd and he says, this is who are my brother and my mothers and my sisters. These are, this is my family. And so what do we make of this? What is the point that Jesus is trying to communicate as he says these words that seem a bit harsh? You know, there's several things I believe Jesus is revealing to us here this morning. And like I said, it doesn't jump out at us initially, but I think you're going to see it as we dive into it a little bit deeper. Here's the first thing that, that Jesus really reveals here in this passage. He begins to reveal the makeup of a faith family. He begins to reveal the makeup of a faith family. I want you to look at this with me for just a moment. Verse 48. He says, But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? In other words, he's saying, Who is my family? And then he says this, stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he says, Here they are. Here's my mother. It's, it's not his biological mother. It's not his biological brothers that are standing, for whatever reason, outside. It's the ones that are inside that Jesus is directly addressing at this moment that is so that, that he recognizes as his family. And so there's no doubt that Jesus is beginning to try to teach us something or, 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 or we can learn something from this passage. But one of the things that we begin to re realize as we look into this text is something I think is very powerful. He really reveals to us two things concerning faith family. And I'll go ahead and give them to you here. But one is that faith family are true followers of Christ Jesus. We're going to dive into that a little bit. True followers of Christ Jesus. And number two is they're not necessarily our biological family or our friends uh, that exist on the outside. And so that's what I want us to sort of look at as we dive into this. Jesus is addressing this group of people that stand before him as his family. And so what we know is, as we look through Scripture, as we look through all the Gospels, as we look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the rest of the things that the Apostle Paul teaches us, we begin to realize real quickly that Jesus was always very clear on what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus. He constantly talked about what it meant to be a true follower of Christ Jesus. And we see here in this text where the words that he says, stretching out his hands, he says, these are my disciples. These are my disciples. Now, what does disciple mean? Disciple means a lot of things to us. It could, it, on, on a very literal sense, coming from the Greek language, it literally means a student, someone who is just a student. But we know as we read through Scripture that disciple means so much more in, in the context of, of how Jesus used it and how they often referred to themselves. They were, they were more than just students of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. They were believers of Jesus. They believed in Jesus. And so disciples for us really takes on a context that goes beyond just being a student of Jesus. And so here he says, there, you know, and, and we know that all through Scripture, he's constantly teaching on what it means to be a follower of Christ Jesus. But he also, and this is important for us to understand, Jesus was also clearly always communicating that he was here on this earth to do the will of the Father or to do the business of the Father. This is something that we see all over, and we're going to see as we dive into this text a little more here today. But it, it's, it's really important for us to understand 
that as we look at this text, the people that Jesus is, dis- is addressing, those whom he has identified as his disciples, he's identifying them as his disciples, and he would say clearly to us, these are true followers of Christ. Why are they followers of Christ? Because they have followed him into this room. They, they have literally taken up residence with him. They are learning what Jesus wants to teach. They are following his will. They want to understand all that they can about Jesus. They are on the inside. They are on the inside chasing after Jesus and committed to being a true follower of Christ Jesus. But we also know that they are about the Father's business because that's what Jesus was about and this is what Jesus is teaching in this situation as we see this thing sort of unfold. And so it's very important that we understand that as we gather together as a faith family, and that's what we are, as we gather together, it's very important that we understand the importance of, one, being a true follower of Christ Jesus, but also being a part of the will of God or being about the Father's business, as we're going to see here as we dive in. There's a really interesting story found in the Gospel of Luke. And and, and really, unless you look at this passage in the context of the entire New Testament and all that it has to teach us, you may not get the gist of what I'm trying to say here this morning. But I want us to to try to focus in on that. There's a a story in the Gospel of Luke. And it's an interesting story, really. But we, we see that Jesus was always committed to the Father's business in this story. And it began, really, at an early age. The story starts out where where Jesus is just 12 years old. And he and his family have gone to Jerusalem. And it's in Jerusalem that they are are, uh, celebrating the the Passover feast. And after the Passover feast was was completed, and it was time to sort of go home, Jesus' parents, they pack up, and they get all their belongings, and they set out for home. And so as they're they're leaving, they're heading out, they get a a certain distance away from Jerusalem, and then it occurs to his parents that they have left Jesus behind. This is the first example of home alone that we've ever had in all of Scripture, okay? This is, this is the very first situation. But they realize that Jesus has been left behind. Jesus is, is still back in Jerusalem. He's nowhere to be found. So they do what any good parent would do. They turn around, and they head back into Jerusalem, and they arrive back in Jerusalem, and as they get there, they find Jesus where? They find Him at the temple. And what the Scriptures tell us is that He sort of amazed everyone because here at the temple, Jesus, at 12 years old, He's teaching the teachers. He's teaching those who, who would normally be doing the teaching. And so He's sitting there and He's sort of you know, showing all His wisdom and, and, and putting all of that on display, not in an arrogant way. He's just Jesus. And so He's teaching. And so the parents come in and they're sort of amazed at this, but at the same time, they're a little put off with Jesus because... Because why? Because they've traveled a great distance. Now they have had to come back and get him. And his parents go up to him and they say, Why have you disrespected us this way? And Jesus answers not probably how you would think that a 12-year-old boy might answer. He says this. He says, Why have you been looking for me? Shouldn't you know that I would be in the Father's house? Some translations say it like this. It says, Why have you been looking for me? Don't you know that I would have to be about my father's business. So Jesus is, from a very early age, has been teaching us that that he came for a very specific purpose, and that is to do the will of God. And so, uh, you know, we see this really unfolding, and it's really remarkable. Turn with me, if you will, to, to Luke chapter 14. I want to show you something else. Luke chapter 14, starting with verse 25 and 26, we see something that really kind of comes off a little bit 
a little bit harder pill to swallow for us as, as believers trying to understand what it means to be about the Father's business, about what it means to, to, to be a follower of Christ Jesus, these two elements of, uh, of really that make up a faith family. But look at what Jesus says. Remember, the crowds are, are just following Him everywhere. And it says here in verse 25, it says this, Luke 14, 25, Jesus, seeing the great crowds, now the great crowds accompanied Him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What in the world? What does this mean? That Jesus would say, he would turn to the crowds and he'd say, Anyone who comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and yes, even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. This is a very interesting way. I, I could almost imagine that at that point the crowds were no longer, wouldn't you? I mean, at that point, it's, it's a situation where that was such a heavy phrase that Jesus has, has sort of placed upon the crowds that most people would probably have said at that point, okay, Jesus, well then, we'll see you later, Right? And so what he's trying to say here, he's trying to present something that is very profound and very important for us to understand is that, that at no time in our life as, as, as children of God, we looked at that last week, but at no time in, in our life as children of God or those who are true followers of Christ who are about Jesus and about the, the will of God or the business of the Father, at no point should we ever place anything above Christ and His mission. And so here we begin to see that the point that Jesus is making here is not to hate the way we know how to hate. He, he, it's not to do that. He's not saying that we should literally hate them, but that what we need to know is that the love of Christ should be above all else. Our love for Jesus should be above everything else. Our love for Jesus should be above all others powerful point he's making a powerful point that he's making let me let me ask you a question here this morning have you wondered yet why Jesus's biological family is standing outside have you wondered why it is that that his mother and his brothers would be standing outside when Jesus was already very clear, even at age 12, he's already pointed out, and even throughout his ministry, he's already pointed out that, that Jesus came, he came to this earth to do the Father's business. And so he's got a very important message to bring. So I don't know about you, but I find myself wondering, what in the world was the mother and the brothers doing outside to begin with? Why weren't they in there with Jesus? Why is it that Jesus would have to take this opportunity to teach them and everyone else that would listen that this is my family. These are the true followers of Christ Jesus. These are the ones who are interested in knowing the will of the Father. And so here we see that, that Jesus sort of points this out. You know, really, only spe we could only speculate why they were standing outside. I don't really know why they were standing outside. But let me share this with you, these words from, from a great theologian, uh, from, who lived in the 16 and 1700s, a guy named Matthew Henry. Listen to the words that he gives concerning this text. And I, I, I love this. I love this explanation. But he says this. He says, When our regard 
to our relationships comes in competition with the service of God, then the nearest relation must be comparatively hated. That is, we must love them less than Christ, and our duty to God must have the preference. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? Listen to me, faith family. Jesus is saying there's nothing greater than me. There is no one greater than me. Not yourself, not your family, not your brothers, not your sisters, not even your children. There is nothing greater than me. What truth Jesus is speaking here. What a high standard Jesus is placing on us as followers of Christ Jesus. As we think about how powerful this is. So what has this got to do with us as a faith family? I believe this is a reminder to us that the unique vision and or mission of Jesus that He has given us is a big deal. Whatever it is that Jesus wants to give us, whatever it is that He wants to teach us, think about us as ourselves here this morning, sitting here as those on the inside with Jesus wanting to teach us. Jesus would say, this is my family. These are the ones who have gathered in my name. These are the ones whom I want to teach, who want to learn, who want to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit, who want to grow in the relationship with the Father, who want to be empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit of God to go out and do the will of the Father. And I know this is true because we haven't even gotten to the rest of it yet. We sort of build scaffolding under what I just said. So let's look at the second thing that this passage teaches us. The second thing it teaches us is this, is that there is the role of the faith family, the role of the faith family. So we have the makeup. We, we understand that it, it, it literally is made up, the faith family is made up of true followers of Christ Jesus who are intentional about the will of God, who are intentional about the mission of Jesus. And so that's the makeup of the faith family. Here's the role of the faith family. And let me just say this. There, there, are, a lot of, there are a lot of Christians in Valdosta, Georgia. There are. There are a lot of, I have a lot of friends that are Christians that don't necessarily go to this church. They go to other churches or they belong to other churches and other communities. There's a lot of Christians outside of these walls. I'm not saying here today that all the Christians are gathered in this room, okay? So, so hear me clearly when I say this. There's a lot of Christians. But it's really unique to me how God has a way of bringing like-minded people together. And as He brings people together, very diverse group of people, He brings people together and He begins to empower them. He begins to shape them. He begins to mold them into a faith family. He gives them a very unique and specific vision to carry out a very specific task in the community in which they live, work, and play. That's what Jesus does for us. That's what a local family of God is. That's what a local church is. That is what a local faith family is. God bringing broken people together, filling them with Himself, and sending them out into a community to do the will of the Father. That is the role that Jesus is presenting here. What we see here, as He has gathered this group, it says in verse 49, it says, And stretching out His hand toward His disciples, He said, Here are my mother and my brothers. In other words, here's my family. And then he says in verse 50, he says, For whom, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So what is the will of the Father? What is it that we are about 
should be about doing? What is it that we are tasked with as a faith family? Well, the easy answer would be to say, well, evangelism, discipleship, worship, accountability, and care of one another. That would be a good, easy way to sort of say that's what we're supposed to do as a faith family. And all of that is true, by the way. We are to evangelize. We are to disciple one another. We are to, we are to worship together. That's why we come into this place and we gather here that we may lift our voices and our song and our prayers and even the Word of God up and worship God through all of this. And so we, we gather in here to worship. We are to hold each other accountable, but at the same time we're to care for one another. And so we, we understand those elements of a faith family. But I want you to grasp the true essence of what Jesus is trying to communicate when he says these words to the man who has now interrupted him with his mother and his brother outside and he comes in and says, hey, your family is looking for you and he says, no, 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 you got it wrong this is my family and then he says this in verse 50 he says, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother here's what I want us to understand the true essence of what Jesus is saying here Jesus is saying, value those on the inside so you can reach those on the outside. Value those on the inside so that you can reach those on the outside. I think the essence of what Jesus is trying to say is, He's not saying that there are those outside of the walls that aren't true believers in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that. I think what He's trying to say is, there's something important going on in here. That is something real that's taking place in this room. There's something of value in these people gathering together to listen to the words of Christ. And so Jesus is very much about explaining to them that there's something value about people coming together and worshiping Jesus together and hearing the voice of God together and, and just belonging together and, and being a family. That's why he uses these, these words. These are my brothers and my mothers and my sisters. He, he's wanting them to know that this is, a, this is a faith family and so we should value that which has collected together, that is gathered together for the single purpose of bringing glory to God and to carrying the mission of Christ out into our community. So this is what Jesus is portraying. This is the point. This is the essence of what He is trying to to say in a faith family in our faith family we have seen a great and mighty work of God in the lives of many how many of you would testify to that this morning we've seen a, a great and mighty work of God moving in this place we've seen it happen and so Jesus would say value what takes place here value what you see here value what is happening here so that you may go out and reach a world in my name. Have you ever thought about, I know, I know some of you would know the answer to this, but do you remember the words that Jesus gave his disciples just before he ascended into heaven? I'm talking about the very last words that he said. I mean, think about it. Jesus could have said anything. He could have said, fellas, it's been real. It's been good. I'm out of here. I'm going back to be with the Father, sit on the right hand of the Father. That's where I'm going you guys are on your own. He could have said that, couldn't he? He could have said, hey guys, free tacos down at... No, he could have said whatever, you know, cinnamon rolls. I got cinnamon rolls for everybody. You're going to see that cinnamon rolls are the, the thing in your life that are going to relieve the stress in your life. So, no, he could have said that. He didn't. But what did he say? 
as he was gathering his disciples together, as he was getting ready to ascend into heaven, he was going to leave them behind. What was the, what was the thing that Jesus said to his disciples? We see it in Acts 1.8. We see it in Acts 1.8 when, when Jesus says, he says, he says, for you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus says to them. Right before he ascends into heaven, he says, you will receive my power. You'll receive my power and you shall be my witnesses in your Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the ends of the earth. And then he ascends into heaven. The very last words of Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying there's going to be a great work on the inside so that there can be a great work on the outside. He sends them to the upper room. Remember, he says, you know, they, they remembered. Oh, yeah, Jesus wanted us to go to the upper room. So where do they go? They go to the inside. They go to a place where they can gather together. They can belong to one another, and they can experience the, the presence of a Holy Spirit pouring into their life. They go to where they can, they can just relish on the relationship that they have with Christ and, and that they can try to understand everything that He's been teaching them as a faith family they go to a place on the inside and it's there that God does a great work so that they can then be empowered to go to the outside and to continue doing a great work all for the glory of God look at this with me if you will but you will receive power you know last week we were talking about the power of Christ Jesus and there's no doubt that Jesus is all-powerful, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But he says to us, his followers, his true followers of Christ Jesus, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon who? Upon you. Jesus promises us that he will do a great work on the inside, both as individual followers of Christ Jesus and on the inside of a faith family who belongs to one another, a group of people who God himself has gathered together. We've come together to worship God, to be discipled by one another, to evangelize a nation, to hold each other accountable, to care for one another. We're doing all of this so that God can do a great work within us only to go out into a community and ultimately around the world for His glory. Value what's on the inside and reach what's on the outside. You know, the reason we show testimonial videos in our, you know, all the time around here, the reason we share the stories is because we want to praise God for the work that He's doing on the inside. It's not about pointing the finger toward us or what we're doing together as a faith family. It's about pointing to God and saying, look at what God's doing in the lives of many. Look at what God is doing among us. It's, it's, it's a testimony to the great work on the inside. And so this morning, the big question that we ask ourselves as we close this service out is this. So what does this have to do with you? 
What does this have to do with your family? You know, I remember I remember when we moved into an old warehouse in Remington, Georgia. Some of you probably were there in that time. Some of you probably remember that. We, we were about 70 or 80 people. We moved into, a, into a, a, an old warehouse. Now, let me tell you what an old warehouse smells like. It doesn't smell like cinnamon rolls, okay? It smells like dirt is what it smells like. 78 or 80 of us, we moved into an old warehouse. We, our children's ministry was in a kitchen. In a kitchen. There's, there's really nothing attractional about that, is there? A dusty old warehouse, a kitchen for kids' ministry, there's really nothing attractional about that. We, we developed this motto, and, and, and it was, it's kind of silly, I think, now, but it, it sounded cool at the time, but here, this was our motto. I'll go ahead and tell you. Together we can make a difference. Together we can make a difference. Seventy people. You know what's funny about that motto is we believed it. We believed that we could make a difference because what we were doing is we were looking at Acts 1-8, which really reveals to us that God wants to do a great work within, on the inside. God, we, we believe that God wanted to do something within us. We believe that God wanted to take our miserable little lives, all 70 or 80 of them, and, and just, just stir us up and, and do something remarkable in our life. All as individuals, but collectively as a, as a very small body meeting in a dusty warehouse. And so we, we believe that God wanted to do something significant on the inside, but we also believe that God wanted to use us to do something greater on the outside. In other words, we truly believed that together we can make a difference. We believe that. We really believe that. And then 70, 70 broken lives turned to a hundred, and then a hundred broken, miserable lives, all bound together by the power of Christ Jesus, turned to 150, and then 150 turned to 200, and 200 turned to 350 people crammed in a dusty warehouse, believing that together we can make a difference, seeing all that God was doing among us, knowing that God was doing a great work on the inside so that we could go do a work on the outside. And I look at this passage that we're looking at today, and I, I think about all that Christ is wanting to to, to teach us about being a faith family. And nothing has really changed. It's a different passage maybe that we're looking at today, but nothing has really changed. Christ's message to us is still value what's on the inside and go reach what's on the outside. And God is still doing an amazing work in the lives of many. Times have changed since that old warehouse. But the mission of Jesus never has changed. Times have changed since we met, what's it been, three weeks now? In an old Winn-Dixie grocery store. But Jesus' message to his, to his people, our faith family, has never changed. Value that which is on the inside so that we can reach those the outside what does this have to do with you well it depends on whether you're on the outside or the inside if you're on the inside just continue valuing what's on the inside and allow God to continue to stir your hearts continue to do a great work in your life and let God continue to teach you and let God continue to reach you and 
May the Holy Spirit continue to sanctify you in, in incredible, strong ways. May He mature you as a true follower of Christ Jesus. If you're on the outside, then, then maybe ask yourself, what does it take to get you on the inside? What is it going to take for you to value what's on the inside? I'll probably always wrestle with why Jesus' mother and His brothers were standing outside when the best that they had was on the inside. And Jesus made a big deal about it. Jesus pointed it out. Therefore, I believe we should as well. There's just something really beautiful about belonging to a faith family where God wants to do incredible things. I'm blessed. I know you're blessed. We wouldn't be here today if we weren't. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us and then you respond however God's calling you to respond. Maybe maybe today you want to respond by giving your life to Christ Jesus. Maybe for the first time in your life you've come to realize who Jesus is and, and how deeply you need Him in your life. Or maybe today is a day where for you, you just want to belong. And so maybe today is a day where you just want to pray and ask God, God, help me with belonging. For whatever reason, I struggle with belonging to a faith family. So help me with belonging. Maybe today is a day where where as we think about all that's been said, we already know we have a message in our head to go and share with a, a friend or a relative or a co-worker or even a family member who's on the outside. And we the message that we want to share is how valuable it is on the inside and how it all begins with Jesus. Becoming a child of God, then belonging to a faith family, belonging to real Christian community being a part of something much greater than ourselves as individuals. Whatever God is speaking into your life this morning, I pray that you would respond. Allow God to move in your hearts. It doesn't mean you have to come down to the, the altar. It doesn't mean that you have to come down here to the steps and pray, even though that's a great place to do business with God. Just respond in whatever way God is calling you.